I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. En el City puede partir la portería. En el City, en el City, en el City. Gol, 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 by Rafa Garrido, live from Seville, and I think everybody listening wishes they were in Seville on Thursday night. Rafa, what's it like in Seville? I mean, huge win, 3-0 against Manchester United to reach the Europa League semi-finals. I mean, can you believe it? Yeah, thank you for having me, Sam. It's going to sound weird, but yeah, I think myself and everyone in Sevilla can believe it. Maybe if you ask us before last Thursday, we wouldn't believe it. But at the minute, Harry Maguire gave that gift to Sevilla at Old Trafford. I think, I wouldn't say everyone, but most of Sevilla fans were at least certain that they could pull it off, really pull it off. And it's going to be a party from now until probably at least Sunday because, you know, today's Thursday, you know how Thursdays are in Sevilla. Then La Feria starts at Saturday, so every Sevilla fan is going to be pretty, pretty, pretty happy. And Joaquin is retired, so another reason for Sevilla fans to celebrate. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a, a fantastic week for them, but I mean, you say that people thought that Sevilla could do it, but who saw this coming? I mean, 23 years since Sevilla had a worse season than this and they've inflicted the joint heaviest defeat Manchester United have ever had in the European Cup in the Euro Cup or the UEFA Cup or whatever it's been called at different times I mean it's a huge achievement but also how much of that is down to Jose Luis Mendeliba I mean this is only his fourth game as a coach in European competition he's obviously not been in Sevilla very long but he seems to have had a real impact on Sevilla yeah, absolutely. And I think he does not get the credit he actually has. I think it's basically because he hasn't changed really like drastically. So it has an impact like the average fan or the average journalist, but that's actually the hard thing to do when you enter into a, like an emergency situation like this, like to reconnect 
be players to the idea and to the mission and to the stance like today. I think that's that takes a lot of intelligence, a lot of um, a very good sense of managing and experience, despite not having like managed a dressing room like that maybe before. But I think he he has he needs to get credit a lot more. And not only like tactically, but like more psychologically, if you want. Yeah, the mental factor. The I mean, yeah. I mean, I think most La Liga fans will know Mendelibar a lot better from his days as as coach Aibar or Sasuna teams like that. And so to come into the Sevilla squad where there's a you know some yeah. some fairly big names in that squad is a yeah. different challenge for him. Yeah, and knowing that it's going to close to probably be like a rented seat because the question is like who's going to come over in the summer maybe maybe he can he can earn some more time there but that's the question yeah and i mean pepe castro the the president of sevilla just earlier on thursday was saying that he he wished he was wishing he'd sacked Julian mm-hmm. lopetegui last summer i don't think yeah. anybody would have considered mendelibar for that job a year ago but now with Sevilla, Absolutely. where they are, I mean, the Levi's managed to recover them. And also, I mean, some of the highlights of this Sevilla team tonight, I mean, I think defensively, they were superb, just as we were chatting before you you highlighted that. I mean, just how good was the Sevilla defence? Yeah, I think mm, Sevilla's defensive improvement has a lot to do with mm, Lloyd Bades signing. That's like uh, the first uh, point... Monchi gets this season, maybe. But also for Nemanja Gudel to like finally get set in that role. That he he actually he played today in his natural role for like 25 minutes until Marcao got injured. But those two are like the main reason for Sevilla's defensive improvement. I think they gel very well together. And you know, today along with Ocampos, I think those two were the best players. And they led Sevilla to the three-nil victory. Exactly that, and I mean another man who who really performed well is Yusuf Naziri. But just before we got into him, I just remembered a, a tweet that I saw actually from Panos Kostopoulos, um, who's here in Madrid and, and covers Spanish football. And he was reminding people that Loic Bade was actually one of the signings that Nottingham Forest made in the Premier League at the start of the season. I hadn't put those two together. Yeah. For me, they were almost two different people. Um, but I mean, to see how he's getting on at Sevilla is is incredible. So let's go back to to Enesiri. Two goals in this game. Um, what what is it with Yusuf Enesiri? I mean, every time I watch him, he's either incredible or terrible. Tonight, in this game against Manchester United, he was incredible. But but where did this come from? I think no one knows it. I I don't think. Julio Lopetegui knows it. I don't think Mendelibar knows it. I don't think Monchi knows it. I don't think anyone knows it. One thing is sure, and in one thing that uh, Yusuf Enesiri is very constant is in giving his all. And if, if there's a reason he has played with all three managers this season, with Sampaoli, with uh, Mendelibar, and with Lopetegui. And he just got that thing most forwards don't have that is scoring goals in important matches not only with Sevilla but he he did it with Leganes early on on his career and he did it during the World Cup with Morocco which is even crazier maybe than 
tonight's performance. Yeah, I really like Enazuri, but as I always kind of questioned, has he got that ability to kick on? I mean, I feel like for a club like Leganes, he was always too good. But for a club like Sevilla that wants to be pushing for the Champions League and so on, he's not that level. But performances like this one is where he shows, look, he has the potential. It's just the consistency. But I mean, he's going to have another big chance now to, to show what he's capable of. A semi-final against Juventus of all teams. I mean, <laughs> there could have been much easier draws in the Europa League semi-finals. I mean, obviously the other the other semi-final is going to be Leverkusen, the German side that are going to be involved there. So I mean, I feel like Juventus is a a trickier side. What's your prediction? I mean, this is Sevilla in the Europa League, but what do you think is going to happen in this semi-final? Can Sevilla reach that final? Are Juve just too good? I mean two teams you've underperformed this season. What What is your forecast for that semi-final? It's going to be hard. I think Sevilla can reach the finals. There's just two games. There's three games just to leave the seventh Europa League. So I think they're, they are very mm, motivated to do so. They see themselves capable. It's going to be hard. But if I were... A Sevilla fan or even Sevilla itself, I would rather face Juventus than Sporting Lisbon. Just by the fact that Juventus now have, have to deal with the, the label of being the favorite, and that's going to be uh, an advantage for Sevilla. And that Sevilla's relationship with the Europa League is utterly similar to Real Madrid uh, in the Champions League. So that same magic, that same path Real Madrid had last season, maybe Sevilla can pull that off too. So I I don't see a 50-50 match, but maybe like a 60-40 for Juventus. And Sevilla just needs, what, 5%, 10% maybe? Yeah, I think Sevilla would take that. I mean, we can't forget, Sevilla are only eight points clear of the relegation zone. There is the tiniest chance that yes. they could be playing Champions League in Segunda next season if they win Europa, exactly. the Europa League and go down. And after yeah. that first leg, I remember Sevilla fans complaining about Mendy Levi's team selection saying, no, he's trying to throw the competition, prioritise on the league. I mean, <laughs> that didn't work out if that was Mendy Levi's plan. Yeah. But, uh, no. The roller no, coaster but... ride of Sevilla this season. I think they can like now prioritize those two semifinal matches just due to the fact that they are eight point clear. And I don't think, you know, a lot of things need to happen for Sevilla to go back into that relegation zone. And even the performances by Espanol and Valencia, it's it's hard. It's hard. Sevilla, Sevilla are bad, but there are enough teams worse than them that they can focus Ex on. Yeah, the exactly. That is a, a great conclusion, Rafa. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Rafa. We can wrap it up there and now head on to the other Spanish team in action. A little bit less exciting, I guess, but we're not going to speak to Jorge Lopez Torrecilla. But first, let's hear a little bit of the action from Stamford Bridge. <laughs> And now I'm joined by Jorge Lopez Torres Dia, famously on Sky Sports, of course, leading the build-up to this week's Champions League action, where we had Real Madrid taking on Chelsea 
this was pretty much a foregone conclusion after the 2-0 win of the Bernabeu in the first leg. But Jorge, a 2-0 win, two goals from Rodrigo, um, got the job done for Real Madrid. And in particular, I think there's one man who, who stood out to you and we were just discussing before we started recording, and that's Thibaut Courtois. Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you for having me, Sam. It's such a pleasure to see you again. And yeah, I mean, the main man for Real Madrid was, in my opinion, Thibaut Courtois. Because he's the, the the lead man when it comes to, to big matches. It always starts with Thibaut Courtois. He uh, made a huge save against Cucurella at the end of, of the first half. That that goal could have been uh, uh, a huge factor in the in the round if Cucurella was able to to score it. But Thibaut Courtois, once again, uh, was the main man when Real Madrid needed him the most. And yeah, it was like a, a team effort at the end. But the man who started it all was, was Thibaut Courtois. Yeah, I mean, just looking now at the, the expected goals on target, that's the expected goals when you take into account where the shot is when it reaches the goal line or the goalkeeper, so to speak, and everything. It came in at 0.64, so 64% chance of scoring given everything. So a fantastic save from Courtois. But we also have to look at the other end of the pitch, of course. There was a certain man who loves scoring goals in the Champions League. We got yes. two, and I mean, both of these were were quite easy goals, tap-ins, so to speak. But I mean, what is it about Rodrigo in the Champions League? He just seems to come alive. Yes, I mean, and what is about Rodrigo in the Champions League against Premier League clubs? Like, it's something really outstanding. He he always comes up clutch when when the team needs him. Um, and yeah, like this is uh, a huge part of the Real Madrid success in Europe in, in these past few years is the the appearances of, of Rodrigo, the way he always shows up, the way he, he always proved to be to be at the at the end of the of the goal scoring that the team needs. And uh, and yeah, he showed it against uh, at at Stamford Bridge. And, and and he always comes up when when Real Madrid needs him in the in the Champions League. But he wasn't the MVP, according to UEFA. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe only UEFA, but that was Fede Valverde. I mean, Jorge, what, what did you make of that? I mean, Fede Valverde yeah. had a really good game. He got an assist. He didn't score the two goals. Right decision? Or, I mean, was Fede Valverde good? Was he MVP? Yeah, I mean, yeah. He he just is is returning to, to his peak in this in this month of April. I was doing some, some, reach, some research, excuse me, and actually, he averaged around 60% of successful actions per game in the month of March. And in April, in these five games, I believe they are, uh, he has increased that percentage by, by 10%. He's now around the 71 uh, successful actions per per game. 71%, excuse me. And yeah, I mean, he, he proved to be... Another crucial element of, of Real Madrid going through in the in the Champions League. This is also the well, this match against Chelsea and the match against against Cadiz um, was the first time since October that he has uh, assisted uh, in back to back games, which proves that he is uh, slowly getting back to to his peak uh, when the team actually needs him. Because the this round against Manchester City is gonna be it's gonna be a tough one, a fun one for all for all of us watching it but yeah it's it's gonna be like it's, it's gonna be huge 
you know, I think that leads us nicely into the next one. But on Rodrigo, I think the stat was that he's now scored as many goals in the Champions League with 15 as he has in all Spanish competitions combined. But that, that is taking into yeah. account that in Spanish competitions, it's 114 games. And in the Champions League, it's 37. I mean, that is and, some... And no disrespect, but... Local. Yes, yes. But when, when you play in La Liga, you all tend to play against teams that should be at least n- not on your level. Like, I, I, I don't mean to, to disrespect and but in the Champions hard. League... I think Chelsea and Elche would have a really <laughs> tight game if they played each other. <laughs> no, but but I mean, in the Champions League, you're supposing uh, facing the the top teams in in Europe, and I'm thinking oh, about Liverpool. Teams, I'm thinking about games, Chelsea. Yes, yes, exactly. It's a, a bizarre record. But I mean, next up, of course, is a team that he scored two goals against last season as well in the semi-finals, Manchester City. In and a minute, there was one. There was one bad thing for him, for Real Madrid fans. I'm sorry to bring you down. But Eder Militao was shown a yellow card. I saw some Madridistas complaining, saying, Carlo, why why was Militao even on the pitch, knowing that he was a yellow card away from suspension? And he's now unavailable for that first leg. Also, David Alaba picked up an injury. He's going to be out for a week yes. or two. Should be back in time for, for that game. But if there's any hiccup in his recovery there, I mean, that's a problem for Real Madrid, right? Yes, that's a problem when you're facing a top team in the Champions League. And that's a big problem when you're facing Manchester City and Erling Haaland at the level he is right now. That is going to be a, a, a huge point of the of the round to see who can try to slow Erling Haaland. Uh, could this be Nacho's final coronation as the starting centre-back for Real Madrid? Let's see. But to be honest, without Militao, without Dalaba, Rudiger with some inconsistent performances in the, in these past few games, uh, that's gonna be like a huge factor in uh, in in determining the the first finalist of the of the Champions League. Well then, Jorge, last question. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Real Madrid, Manchester City. Who is in the Champions League final in Istanbul against one of the teams from Milan? Um. Well. I have to start saying that um, that Real Madrid went through last season by just a snitch of, of, of luck, to be honest, because they scored two goals in a minute against the Manchester City that I consider to be worse than the Manchester City that we are seeing right now. City has now uh, Erling Haaland, and I believe that he's going to be the determining factor in this in this round. So I see Manchester City going through to the final. Wow. At the start there, I thought, is that Jorge climbing up a fence to get and go and sit on top? <laughs> no, you jumped right up and Manchester no, no, City. No. Yes. I am surprised, but that's very Real Madrid, isn't it? To say, no, no, we're not the favourites uh, in a Champions League nope. semi-final. But it's true. And if I have to confess, and I'm going to do it right now, my heart is with AC Milan. I want to see AC Milan winning back the, the Champions League. Okay, we'll talk in a few weeks when the final is AC Milan against Real Madrid and we'll see if he's going to be Because I don't do Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Jorge. Thank you, Sam. And then stay tuned. We'll be back in part two where Matt Clark will be joining us to take a look at all the action across La Liga.
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to part two of La Liga Lowdown. And I'm now joined by Statman Matt Clark. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Not bad, thank you, Sam. Yeah, it's good to be on for a midweek pod. Um, the other side of the mic, so to speak. Uh, yes, um, looks like an intriguing weekend ahead. And as we get into that point in the season, every game seems to match that little bit more. So lots to play for. Yeah, for, for those of you listening, don't worry. We do let Matt out sometimes. He, <laughs> he is allowed to do something other than watch La Liga create excels with incredible numbers and so on. But right now we've got him here. So Matt, oh, come on. A, a big, a big, 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 big weekend of football at both ends of the table, really. I mean, before we run through all of the fixtures, I think there's only one game to start with, and that's going to be the headline Sunday afternoon, 4.15 kickoff local time at the Spotify camp as Barcelona take on Atletico. What are your thoughts on that one? Have you have you got a prediction? I mean, Barcelona could go four without a win if they don't beat Atletico. And Atletico, of course, haven't lost since they played Barcelona on January the 8th in La Liga. So it's going to be a tasty one. Indeed. I mean, they could go four without a goal because they've been on this, you know, very bad drought of goal scoring and struggling to create, struggling to... To score goals, um, as we say, three in a row for the first time since 2008 um, without scoring little competitions. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a problem now. And we know they have this massive lead in La Liga, but at the same time, if they keep dropping points, it just gives Madrid that little bit of incentive to say, hang on, we could still maybe do something in La Liga. I know Tom and me spoke on, on the match they recap last about the possibility of, you know, high Liga, maybe. Um, at the moment, probably still say no. But if Atletico Madrid were to go to the camp now and win, as you say, they're in fine form. I'm beating them, what, 13 in La Liga? As you say, since since that Barca game. 
Um, the encouraging thing... Are you saying that you believe in La Liga de Lexa? Uh Well, I I don't know, but I just think I think there's a chance that Atletico Madrid are in such good form that they could go there. And if they score first, we know that Atletico can defend a lead when they're, when they're at their best, they can defend the lead. And Barca, the frustration be, could, you know, could become too much again. And they'll still be missing absentees. They were encouraged this week to see uh, Griez, um, Griezmann, we'll talk about him in a second, but um, Pedri and Dembele back in training. That's a big boost for Barca. But at the same time, they're not going to be match fit or ready for this game. So they're still going to be relying on the likes of, of Ferran and uh, Rafinha and obviously Lewandowski is, his form since the World Cup is alarming. So, yeah, Barca need to need to get a win for, just for, to get their confidence back, if nothing else. Um, but it'll be very tough. So, everybody heard it here first. Atletico Madrid are going to win the league, courtesy of, of Max Wright. <laughs> but, no, I think that's a, a very solid point. And, yeah, I mean, on paper, I think we could actually see a very strong Barcelona lineup if with De Jong, with Pedri supposedly in contention but I mean I don't think that necessarily takes into account the fact that they're not going to be match fit but they do have some big players like Robert Lewandowski who are really really out of form and I think looking at this I mean one of the things that really surprised me the other day I was looking at the XG for, for specific players and so on and it's not just that Lewandowski I mean it's kind of like that golden line, isn't it, as well? Like, you know, that if you're in the, getting in the right chances, the goals will come. But Lewandowski isn't really even getting that too much. I mean, he's got 7.26 XG from his last 11 games, um, which is only second rather, to Karim Benzema, sorry. But, I mean, he just hasn't been in good form at all. I think he is currently, if I am not mistaken... Um, second in La Liga, I think it was, for XG underperformance since the World Cup. The only player who's underperformed by more is Rodrigo, who, um, of course, in the Champions League is unstoppable and in La Liga is very stoppable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when we look at what really matters, which is the number of goals, it's only four goals in 11 games. I mean, that's less than Oihan Sanse, it's less than Borja Mayoral, it's less than Alvaro Morata, it's less than Kyle Laring. I mean, who would have expected Kyle Larin to be outscoring Robert Lewandowski in this calendar year of La Liga? I don't think there'd be too many people there. Well, absolutely. That's that's staggering, isn't it, really? And and it's true because Lewandowski, since the World Cup, he, he's been Pachichi with streets clear. And now, you know, obviously he might not win it if uh, if Benzema scores a few more or if the likes of Enesanao, Hosselu, etc. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to put your finger on it because he's still in those positions and he's still I think it's just a, a kind of team system thing because because they haven't got the same kind of joy from the wide areas that of course Dembele was providing with those assists I think that's a key part of it of why Lewandowski is struggling so much but again I think at this stage it comes down to a confidence issue and when the whole team is struggling to score the burden on Lewandowski becomes bigger by just by by essence so I think that's it's almost just becoming a snowball effect now. So they'll need one to go in. Basically, one off his bum or anything, that would just get him back in the goal scoring and probably then he'll kick on and get a hat-trick. So it's one of those things that it will just take probably one one golden chance and puts it away and he's back. But for now, it like it is an issue. And as we say, contrast it with Antoine Griezmann, who is probably the best player in La Liga in 2023, if not the season. Uh, he's in his best ever form, you could argue, back to... 
Cam now where he obviously was and didn't quite work out for him. And <laughs> the context of the, the negotiations with Barca, he could only play 30 minutes a week and then they managed to negotiate a good price. And imagine if he were to go there and, and then put in a performance and maybe score, score a winning goal to put another dent in Barca's uh, seemingly, at one stage, uh, unstoppable force of, of home form. Uh, it would be quite something. It would be quite something. I mean, you mentioned snowball effects. Like, let's go have been a little bit like that. One thing that they could face, though, is that they might be without Marco Llorente. He picked up his fifth yellow card of the season against Dan Maria. If you ask me, it was never a yellow card. But according to the referees, it was. The Atletico appealed it and the appeal was turned down. So I think the latest that I saw just on, on Thursday evening was that they were considering taking it to the, the sport or the Court of Appeals for Sport. Um, to try and get it at least suspended for this game at the weekend. but Those guys are busy, aren't they? Are, yeah. Everyone goes there. <laughs> Everyone goes there for anything these days. I feel like it's just a, it's a good idea to get sent off the week before a big game because at least you know you can appeal it and get it suspended. But La Liga things. But I mean, Michael Chulente is a huge miss for Atletico. I think he's been one of their best players since the turn of the year alongside Antoine Griezmann and and that's going to be some task to do that. I mean, Rodrigo de Paul could switch over to the right. I think Thomas Lamar is going to come in on the left of the Atletico midfield. But, but a big ask. But Matt, let's move on because Barca Atleti is for the glory hunters, the, the guys who watch La Liga casually. And I know that there's another game which you have both sets of eyes on. Both sets of eyes, that's not really a thing, is it? But you have all of your attention focused on. And that is going to be one for the real La Liga nerds and geeks. And that is Espanyol Cadiz on Friday night. Yeah, I think this is a, a proper relegation six-pointer. And Espanyol are in the worst form of any side in the league. Uh, what's that? Six defeats in a row. No side has lost six in a row this season. Not even Elche. That's how bad it is for Espanyol. They've made the change of manager. It was kind of expected that Diego Martinez would be dispensed with. Um, but poor Luis Garcia, he's had no discernible managerial bounce just yet. And they'll need to find something soon because they're basically in exactly the same spot as Valencia, uh, locked on 27 points. Three off safety now, which is marked by Almeria. But they're four points behind Cadiz. So, of course, if they were to beat Cadiz at the RCD on Friday, that's a massive step to kind of drag Cadiz back into the fight. But were Cadiz to win, and then they themselves have been in decent form recently, if Cadiz were to win, that would be then seven points gap between Cadiz and Espanyol, which would again, at this stage, start to look like a bit of a chasm. And you're starting to see teams pull away. We've seen Sevilla pick up some form lately. Real Valladolid have had a bit of a bounce. Getafe are fairly solid. Cadiz solid. So it looked like a kind of whole bottom half battle for relegation. Now you almost drag it down to three or four teams, maybe, for the final two spots. So this is a huge game for Espanyol in particular. No, of course. And I mean, another big game that we'll get onto in a second is Valencia versus Elche. But if we look at this as kind of that section of the table, basically from 14th below Sevilla down to Espanyol, if Sevilla beat Cali this weekend, they'd be on 30 points. If Maria lose to Athletic, they'd be on 30 points. If Valencia beat Elche, they'd be on 30 points. Then we'd have Cali on 31, Petafe on 31, Real Valladolid on 32. I mean, that's five teams separated by two points with only eight games to go. I mean, the pressure really is on for these teams now. It is. It absolutely is. And and we've seen pretty much all of those teams, maybe apart from Almeria and, well, three of them haven't, but quite a few teams have made changes this season in managerial 
dugouts, um, some of them multiple times. I'm talking severe Elche, uh, some better than others, of course, but it really is kind of stick or twist time because I think Valencia will obviously stick with Baraja now, but um, this is an absolute must win. They have to beat Elche away from home. There's no excuses now. They have to pick up three points and then they have a home game against Valladolid in midweek, which is another big one. So if they can get some positive results in those, maybe four points out of six, suddenly looks a little bit rosier. But at the moment, it's, well, we've seen the stories come out and, you know, the, the whole kind of football world is is now attuned to the situation at Mestalla. And it's it's pretty perilous. So, yeah, I, nothing other than three points at Elche will be sufficient for Valencia this weekend. Go on, Let's wrap it up there. Just before we go, what is one thing that you're looking out for this weekend? I am quite curious to see how Real Valladolid get on against Girona because they've taken four points from two games under Paolo Pezzolano and they've scored five goals. Uh, so they found their scoring touch, which they were lacking under Pacheta in the final weeks of his tenure. And this was actually a surprising managerial change. I don't think many of us saw Pacheta's departure coming, but they made the change. They went for it. And so far, so good. It's only two games. But this is another kind of key marker to see how they got on against Girona, who everyone expected to be in the relegation fight, but are actually overperforming and are kind of safely mid-table. Michel's done a fantastic job there. And they're pretty free-scoring as well. So this could be a kind of low-key goal fest. So, yeah, watch out for that one. Yeah, I think my pick of the weekend on paper is Real Sociedad Raya Vallecano. I think that's two teams who play great football. Real kind of warrior players, a lot of them younger, some of the experienced veterans and so on. I love that game. Definitely going to tune into that one. But the one that I'm really excited for as a La Liga purist is Mallorca versus Hitafi. Because I feel like I could gamble everything I own on that being a nil-nil draw. And <laughs> I don't think I'd even like lose any sleep. I wouldn't sweat. You just almost can guarantee it's going to be a terrible game of football <laughs> for the purists. If you are into your tiki-taka and a very big fan of Pep Guardiola, maybe don't tune into that one on Sunday evening. But Javier Aguirre against Tique Sanchez-Flores is going to be a cracking game. Um, so just wait and watch that one end up being 4-3 or something like that now. So that and as an L hat-trick. Vedat Marici, double. It's going to happen. Uh, it will inevitably happen now, but we will wait and see. So thank you very much for, for listening. Thank you very much, Matt, for joining us for this second part of the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Sam. And make sure to stay tuned to us throughout the week as well, because, well, the weekend, because then we have another midweek match day coming up early in next week as well. So it's going to be non-stop football. I was just looking, I think Monday is the only day without any action. And then we have action right the way through until I think it's the 5th of May is it that we don't have any well we don't have the fixtures for that weekend yet do we so <laughs> the 5th of May is the next day where we might not have any football in Spain so make sure to stay tuned we've got plenty of action on our Substack and on our Twitter we've also got a Q&A with Ben Hayward the Spanish football expert which you can read up there with your questions featured so yeah thank you for listening make sure to tune in to Mallorca Atafe on Sunday night and thank you for joining us
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.